Hello. Uh, not doing the announcements today, but as you probably may know me by now, my name is Carla. And yes, weird. I'm in the background where Pedro usually sits, but not today I'm sitting. And the fact that I'm sitting also is a little weird because I like to stand and move around a ton, but this is going to ground me and we'll see how this comes out. <laughs> um, so today I have the great opportunity to be able to preach and speak of the Word of God. Um, and I'm so delighted and at the same time nervous. So you'll get to see it in my voice once I start. Um, but a little bit about myself, actually. I want to start with an introduction. Um, I am the only daughter of four kids. The rest are boys and younger than me. So as I'll probably get to know soon, since I have a little girl myself, <laughs> the relationship between a mom and a daughter is interesting at that. And when I was... Um, a young teenager and even a young adult, I butted heads with my mom often. But when my mom got upset at something I did or I said, her um, go-to reaction was to walk away from me, just take a moments of silence or sometimes days of silence. And my reaction usually is to try all I can, struggle as much as I can and work as hard as I could to get her to mend our relationship again to fix our relationship, to go back to normal. And I really wanted that relationship that we had um, at one point to be back the way it was. And actually, this is a little plug-in. Uh, one of the reasons why I had this realization is because right now in the women's ministry, we're reading the book Boundaries, and it really um, emphasized the effect that childhood relationships have on boundaries that we may have as adults. So all these thoughts really were uh, propelled by reading that book. So if you're not part of the women's men, call me or text me. <laughs> anyway, back to the story. Um, so the pattern that I had was that I was willing to go, I was willing to follow my mom around the house and berate her with questions as to why she was upset, when was she gonna get over it, what could I do to make our relationship okay? And don't worry, if you're a friend of mine, that pattern of mine has probably almost died at this point. I mean, you could ask Lewis if I still do it. Um, but so thinking back through all these memories, I was thinking I was so willing to fight for my mom's relationship, for, to fight for her favor again, to fight for her love um, and our relationship to be back the way it was or to be stronger than it was. Um, nowadays, knowing that I have a relationship with God, am I willing to go through any struggle to wrestle with him in order to strengthen or have that relationship with him that I want or that I know he desires of me. So that's the question that I'm asking today that we're going to dive into or I'm asking you. Um, are you willing to wrestle with the Lord? Are you willing to wrestle through anything in your soul that is going on in your life at the moment to have the relationship with God that he desires with you? So have that in the back of my mind in the back of your mind as we dig in. Um, the person that we're going to be looking into today is Jacob. And I'm, I have to give you a little spark notes on his life, and it'll sound like I'm talking forever about him. But in order to really understand the scripture that we're going to be looking at, we need to understand the kind of life and the kind of person Jacob was. So really, the, the scripture that we're going to be focusing on is in Genesis 32, 24 to 32. But I'm going to be reading a couple of verses um, through the chapters prior to explain a little bit of where Jacob is by the time he gets to that point. So Jacob. He is in the lineage of Jesus, and he is the son of Isaac, who is the son of Abraham. So he's 
one of the main guys that we start reading about in Genesis. And but right from the beginning, we start to know who Jacob is just by uh, how he was in the womb, really. Um, he was in the womb of Rebekah and he was a twin was with his brother Esau. Um, at the time before birth, God had told Rebekah that Jacob was going to be um, one going to have control over Esau, that he was going to have um, power over Esau. Esau was going to be the firstborn, but Jacob was going to have dominion over him. So right then from there, we understand there's something about this man that God um, desires, that God favors. Regardless, uh, Jacob was giving the name Jacob, which was, it means supplanter. It means uh, someone who seizes, someone who grabs and goes after what he wants, and also known as deceiver, and you'll get to know why. So even though Esau was born first, Jacob was born grabbing onto his heel, kind of desiring to put him, pull him down in order for him to come out first. So that's the first encounter we have with him. Later on, there's many other situations in which we see his character, a person that wants to go after what he wants no matter the circumstances, willing to deceive and lie in order to get what he wants in his life. Remember, though, the Lord had already described to Rebecca who he was going to be. Um, so fast forward a little bit. Uh, Esau, as a firstborn, has a birthright. Jacob deceives him out of his birthright and obtains the birthright that is rightfully Esau's. A little further forward, um, Isaac, as he's getting older and older, he wants to bless Esau, his firstborn son, as he rightly deserves it. And Jacob, with the guidance of his mom and his own uh, sinful nature, he deceives Isaac into giving him the firstborn blessing. So here we're at. Even though the Lord had already claimed um, that Jacob was going to be above Esau in some way, he decides to use his wit, his intelligence, his deceiving nature in order to receive what he thought was rightfully his or that he wanted in order to get ahead in his life. After that, he is told um, by Rebecca to go and find a wife. And in the situation, in Laban's house, which was Rebecca's son, uh, brother, he is told to find a wife and he works hard for many years. And in this case, it's turned around. He is deceived and ends up out of this whole situation with two wives, Rachel and Leah. So in this situation, he is um, at a discord with Laban, the father of his wives, and he deceives Laban in order to flee from the camp and go back home where God had told him to go. At this point, we see Jacob is um, acknowledging that God is there, able to hear him, and he decides to follow God's word and go back home, head back home. So we're going to read a little bit um, from chapter 28 before I head to the main scripture, just to read about what the Lord had told Jacob and where Jacob was at. Um, so we can understand where Jacob's heart was in regards to the Lord. So if we go to chapter 28, verses 13, um, this is uh, the Lord is appearing to Jacob in a dream right before he marries the two uh, women, and then he flees from Laban. This is before that. So we're going to read. It says, In a dream, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread above, abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go 
and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. At this point, we see God's covenant to Abraham and Isaac had passed on to Jacob. This is a great promise. If I was Jacob at this point, I think I would feel so secure about where I was going and what I was doing because clearly I was in the Lord's favor. I was in his will. Now I'm speaking as if I was Jacob and he was a human. I think if you and I probably were in that position, we would have our doubts as well. But I don't know how I would react if God was so clear to me like this, like speaking so clear that he was going to protect me and he was going to give me all the offspring that was promised to my forefather. Even yet, you think that at this point, hearing that promise, Jacob was going to be able to call God his God, but he hadn't called God his God yet. Um, so if we move down a little bit to verse 20, he says, this is Jacob's response to that promise that God had made him. If God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. This is something very important to keep in mind. Jacob had not called God his God yet. He had put a condition. If the Lord kept his promise about protecting him, then Jacob would be able to call God his God. So with that in mind, at that point, Jacob was trying to acknowledge that God was there, but his relationship was so far away from the relationship that God wanted with Jacob. There was still so much work that needed to be done. At that point, that's when he gets married off, and then the Lord tells him to head back home, to head back to the land of Canaan. What did this mean for Jacob? Heading back home meant that he was going to face another, a person that he had completely wronged, his brother Esau. And that brought fear and uh, just a lack of control over his own life. He knew that Esau had vowed to kill him because he had deceived him out of his birthright and out of his blessing. So he was fearful, even though God had told him to go back home, even though God had already made a promise to him, he was so afraid of going back home that he devises a plan. Again, we see Jacob's character come to life regardless of where God was standing with him. He devises a huge plan to deceive or kind of uh, soften the blow before he meets Esau. So as he's heading to meet Esau, he decides to send tons of gifts and the gifts back then were like cattle whatever things like that that we don't do these days or maybe we do in other parts of the earth but not now not here uh, so he was sending a ton of animals people all his family to kind of soften the blow and make Esau a little happy by the time that he saw him Jacob so that's where we're going to stop that's where we're at we're heading at the part where Jacob is promised a situation he's promised a, a covenant with God and he is told by God to do something, but yet again, he decides to trust and have control over his situation by his own hands and try to manipulate the situation in order to gain what he wanted, which was to be spared by Esau. Right before the situation, right before heading into Esau, he prays to the Lord. At least the acknowledgement is there that God is there with him. He acknowledges that God has been protecting him and has been blessing him, so he prays. He prays for his protection, he prays for his favor, and he prays for his life to be spared. And regardless of the prayer, he continues to manipulate the struggle that he's going about to face with Esau and does what he, I just explained that he did. Okay, so here we're at. We're at the moment, at the, the huge pivot in Jacob's life. Uh, as you have heard, the pattern in his life was 
I know God. He is the God of my dad and his dad, the God of his, my forefathers. I could pray to him, I could call on to him, but I decide what to do with my life. I want to manipulate every situation in order to get the outcome that I think is best for me. Does that sound like a pattern in your life? I know there are many areas of my life where I've done similar things. And I could to this day say that there's areas in my relationship with the Lord where I hold them at a distance, where I call on his name, but I don't take the time to wrestle with what he is trying to do with my life and allow him to have that control. Jacob is going to have an encounter that we're about to read that completely changes his outlook on his relationship with the Lord. So let's take a look at chapter 32. Um, at this point, he had already sent all his family, his cattle, his possessions to meet Esau, and he was left back. He was the last one that was going to meet him because he wanted to soften the blow, remember? So he is left alone. And that's something that I really want to highlight. I think we see that pattern many, many times in the Bible. When we are alone, we are in a moment, uh, in this case, Jacob is in the moment of despair, on a moment of fear, and he's finally left alone and alone with the Lord. It's just him and God. Those are the moments that are so special. Those are the moments that we need to get to in order to hear the Lord, in order to have him face to face and be able to be uh, away from distractions, away from anything that we can control and cover and, um, and, and put over the Lord's voice. Uh, at this moment, we're going to be reading from verse 24. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. That sounds familiar, right? From his past. <laughs> and he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he said, why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, for I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, lip, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. What a passage. Uh, every time I read this passage, I am amazed at the fact that this man was able to wrestle God. Of course, in the beginning of this encounter, uh, Jacob thought he was wrestling just a mere man. So he was really going at it. Um, we don't really clearly know at what point he realized that he was wrestling God, but there is a, a, a clear distinct that he realized that he was wrestling God himself. Uh, that's why he called this place the face of God. And at that point, when he did realize that he was uh, wrestling with, Lord, with the Lord, this was the pivot in his life that he needed. In this point, he realized, I can't do anything without God's blessing. I can't do anything with God's favor. This was the point when Jacob realized that in his relationship with the Lord, he was at a distance. He did not um, have the Lord as close as the Lord was wanting to be. During his whole life, the Lord was there. He was present. He was faithful. He had protected him and blessed him despite Jacob's actions. Jacob was always trying to get control of his life, but the Lord was there. He was within God's will, and he was going to protect him. 
in turn. In what areas of your life um, do you know that you're in God's will? You know that you're in God's protection, but you continue to uh, keep him at a distance. I think there's many different kinds of situations that we could talk about right here in this, and that we could learn from in this, uh, with this scripture. If you're an unbeliever right now, if you call, don't consider yourself a Christian, if you're just seeking out who God is and what his purpose is in life, what, what do you need to wrestle with in order to have that relationship that God desires with you? What things in your life um, are keeping you from having that deep relationship? What things in your soul are just stuck there and not wanting to uh, be released because you want to hold on to them and the Lord is trying to soften your heart and take those things out? What are those things? Are you willing to wrestle with the Lord and have him convict you of, of these struggles that you may be having or these things that are keeping that relationship afar? If you have been walking with the Lord for quite a while, but you still um, resonate with the fact that God is the God of your forefathers, let's say that could be, that can mean um, I have been Christian my whole life. My parents have been Christians. My parents' parents have been Christians, but yet your relationship with the Lord is as Jacob's was, distance. You claim to the Lord, you clamor to the Lord, you pray to him whenever you need him, but you still want to have control over your whole life. What are the things that you can wrestle with that you have to let go of in order to take that relationship with the Lord and make it personal? Even then, if you have been walking with the Lord for many, many years um, and you consider yourself to have a strong relationship with the Lord, there are always things in our life that we want to keep God out of. I think in this day and age or in this area that we live in the United States, uh, a lot of the areas that we keep God out of is our work. Maybe we're not, we don't have integrity within our work. We want to keep our work away from the Lord because we want to have control. We want to get that raise. We want to get that um, new position so I can do it with my own hands, with my own knowledge, with my own wits. I can get that position. The Lord is not part. The Lord is not God of this area of my life. Another area could be your money, the way you have control over your, um, your possessions, the things that the Lord has given you. Have you really released those things of the Lord? Again, if you have been walking with the Lord for a while, what areas in your heart and your soul are still not overseen by the Lord? I think that's something um, that I'm struggling currently. This scripture personally was... Um, self-revealing. Uh, I, like I said in the beginning, I, I, used, I took all my strength, all my power to wrestle, to gain the relationship with my mom, but I don't think I used that kind of uh, persistence, that kind of strength to pursue a relationship with the Lord. There are many times where I keep him at a distance, where I know that he's there, I know that he's protecting me, I pray to him, but I don't take the time to consider and to realize where are the areas of my life where he's not the Lord of. Jacob had that realization in this situation. He realized that the Lord had been protecting him this whole time, and now it was time for him to claim him as God. He no longer was just the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac. He was now becoming the God of Jacob. And we could read further in chapter 33, verse 20, where he proclaimed that to his people. He finally headed back home, and in this verse it says, He erected an, alt an altar, and he called it, I'm going to butcher this probably, El Elohi Israel, which means God, the God of Israel. At that point, Jacob, now his name was Israel, was able to claim God as his God. He was able to realize that all the efforts that he had put to get what he wanted, to get the blessings that he wanted, 
was all, all in within God's will and he had always been there despite Jacob wanting to do things in his own hands. And the most beautiful thing that we can learn of this scripture, besides the wrestling, besides Jacob calling God now his God, is that God never left him. He was always with him despite Jacob's disobedience, despite him lying and doing all these things in order to get what he wanted, God had never left him. His faithfulness is forever and ever, no matter how much we disobey him and want to walk away from him. I heard this one commentator say, uh, we can be stagnant in our walk with Jesus for years and years, but God will always remain and he will always be there when we want to come back and strengthen that relationship back up. I think that's the most beautiful thing that we can learn from this is that God is faithful and his love for us and compassion and his salvation is always there for us. The best way that he has demonstrated his faithfulness to us is through his son Jesus. He was gracious enough to give us his son in order for us to gain eternal life, in order for all our sins to be forgiven and for us to have a relationship with him. Why does he want this relationship so bad? because he knows that he's able to give us the best and most joyous life when we're on this earth and eternal life. He doesn't want you to be having control over your life and carrying all those burdens and, and living like Jacob was living with anxiety, with fear, with um, just never ending struggle with man. He wants you to have the struggle with him, to have the, the soul wrestling in order to have that strong relationship with God because he has control over your life. And in sense, he has given us Jesus as the ultimate sign of his faith. He has promised us life eternal, and he has given us his son as savior in order for us to have that life in eternity with him. Um, even more so, we get to remember Jacob, not as the man who was the deceiver, who didn't want God to be his God. Later on in many scriptures, God is always paired up with the name Jacob. We see in many Psalms that God is called the God of Jacob. For us to remember that God had always been protecting Jacob, that God had always been present in his life, even though Jacob was not. And I'm going to leave you with this uh, verse from Psalm 146.5. I should have probably put a, um, a bookmark there, but I didn't. <laughs> but we're getting there. Live and personal over here 146.5 it says blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob whose hope is in the Lord his God and here we see Jacob's name was redeemed God didn't remember him as just the the man who didn't want a relationship with him he has been always there for him and now his name is remembered as a God who protected him the protector God's constant protection is over you and me and he wants a relationship with you what is the one thing that's keeping that relationship afar? Take the time to wrestle and struggle like Jacob did. Our struggle and wrestling may not be physical like Jacob's. It's going to be a spiritual struggle. It's going to take time. It's going to take time alone. It's going to take time looking into areas of your life that you may not want to let go of, that you want to control. But God wants to have control because he knows what's best for us. Just like he was uh, keeping Jacob within his will and keeping him protected and blessed he wants to do that with you take the time to wrestle with him and i and talk with somebody talk with jesus talk with somebody else about what that wrestling looks like in your life and allow god to permeate that area he wants a relationship with you and remember like we just read in psalm 146 blessed 
is he whose help is the God of Jacob. Seek him and he will be blessing you. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to preach. <laughs> you should know I was very nervous, um, but I'm so excited to see you in person soon. And remember that we have uh, missional communities available during the week and the men's and women's ministries are active. I think a uh, men's ministry activity was yesterday. So we'd love to hear more about that. And honestly, thank you. Looking forward to seeing you in person.